It's time to embrace your inner O. Join GL Datus on his spiritual, personal development and self-help journey to enjoy a more vibrant and purposeful life with help from some of the world leading authors and experts in the mind, body and spirit field. So sit back, relax and enjoy the O People podcast. Find your inner O with the O People podcast. Hello, my name is Gavin Lee Davis, your host on this journey to find your inner O. O people are incredible people that are on a journey of discovery. O people have tapped into spiritual enlightenment, ancient teachings, motivational, inspirational energies, and have expanded their consciousness to embrace so many wondrous possibilities. The O people are here to guide us, to support us, and help open our minds and embrace the life we have been given. These are people that have learned to make positive changes, and some of these people have suffered tremendous ordeals of pain, loss, grief, and depression, but have reached for the light and become stronger for it. You too can find your inner O with the love, the teachings, and experiences that these O people give you. Anyone can be an O person, and these authors, motivators, and teachers will help you find self-love, inspiration, and empowerment. Welcome to the O People podcast and your journey to find your inner O. For more information on our O people and their work, visit www.o-books.com. And if this series motivates or inspires you, please visit our Patreon page and tip us $1 or £1 to support the series. And I will put you into a prize draw for a chance to win an O book every month. So visit www.patreon.com forward slash O people podcast. That's www.patreon.com O people podcast. Please support us. It will mean so much to keep this series running. So for our first episode, let's discover why I'm on my journey looking for my inner O. On this episode, meet Andrake, author of The Energetic Dimension. We are energy, our bodies, as well as all matter, are merely slowed down energy. We all have an energetic body that houses all our memories and experiences of all our lifetimes. We absorb energies from our families, our previous incarnations, as well as from the culture in which we live. These energies often mask who we truly are and may block us from developing our true potential. So Anne, what drew you to shamanism? I was first a a clinical psychologist and I sort of inadvertently ended up in a practice that focused on particularly women that had had severe trauma, some of them so severe that they had multiple personality disorder. And so I would watch as I'd be talking to one person and then all of a sudden there'd be like, and a whole different being would be before me. They would look different, sound different. They had different physical attributes. One would wear glasses, one wouldn't. One would have asthma, another personality wouldn't. And when they came for an appointment, I knew the second I opened the door who was there. So I would ask colleagues, what do you think happens? And they said, oh, well, they switched. Well, I know they switch, but how does this happen? You know, how do we have whole different beings moving in and out of the same body. So about the same time I was asking these questions, I was drawn to go back to Malaysian Borneo, where I'd been in the Peace Corps. When I was there, 
we were three days by boat from the nearest Western doctors or hospitals. So all of sort of the healthcare was done by the local healers. And I just thought of them as the friendly local healers and had some sort of bizarre notion that shamanism was people that had bones in their hair and looked really weird and did strange things. But I was traveling with a good friend who was a union analyst and she was very, she'd been reading about shamanism. She wanted to meet a shaman. And so when we got to the village, of course, I knew everyone. The local shaman was also the father of one of my students. I taught fifth grade when I was there. And he started in, we started hanging out at his house at night. And he invited us to go on a healing with him to this far off village that was built entirely over water that there was a man there that um, was dying and they had no idea what was wrong with him. And he was, um, the Bomo as he's called, was considered the best healer in the area. So he was called in and he did this elaborate ceremony of covering him in newspapers and paste and uh, was all quite involved using knives and incantations. And I thought for sure the man was gonna die at any moment. I'd never seen anyone look quite like him because in the western world we doctor everyone up so they have you know they don't turn green and things like that um at the end he was much better and by the evening he was sitting up and eating and he hadn't he had been slowly declining for two months and i asked him what was wrong he said the man had been a fisherman and this is near the coast of the South China Sea, and the waters are shark infested, that his boat had capsized, and he assumed he was going to be eaten by a shark momentarily. Fortunately, he was rescued before that happened, but he was so terrified that most of his soul left his body, and the terror of the experience entered in, and his body was slowly dying without most of his soul present. And so he brought his soul back to him, and all of a sudden, he was better. And it was like, oh, that's what happens. When there's severe trauma, you dissociate or move out and the energy of the trauma or the energy of the person hurting you comes in. And there's a way of working with this. And the next day he told me and my friend that his guides had said that we were be, to be initiated to the path. And I really didn't know much about it, but I said yes and went through the initiation and came back and discovered there was a whole community of people in the United States, and I'm sure worldwide, that study and practice shamanism. So that's how I began. It was on a, a question that the Western world had no answer to, and I found the answer in ancient healing practices. Up until that moment, you didn't necessarily have an interest in this. Was it this experience that prompted you to delve further? Yes, it was. I mean, I had been a meditator for a while and I had been used to examining the mind and, and I had lived there. So I must have absorbed it, you know, somehow, even though I didn't know they were shamans, they were just the healers in the village, you know, and shaman is actually a Russian term for Siberian shamans and all the healers throughout the world have different names. And, but the, the idea is the same. And my teacher said that all illness, whether physical, emotional, or spiritual is caused by, two things, the loss of part of our core essence and the intrusion of other energies. And that can manifest on the physical level, the spiritual level, or the emotional level. So it's a question of working with these energies. So how did you come to understand about ancestral, karmic, and cultural imprints? 
Well, it was somewhat of a slow evolving process. I mean, I when I think back on it, my first sort of peaking of my interest in it came when I was doing a postdoc at um, an adolescent hospital back in the day when they actually did therapy and had family therapy programs. And every young woman that I work with that had been sexually abused or raped, her mother had been sexually abused or raped at the exact same age. And uh, sometimes the mother didn't remember it all. Uh, sometimes she poohooed it like, well, it was really nothing. And I must have asked for it. All the common things that women tell themselves you know, when you're seven years old, oh, right, yeah, you asked for it, <laughs> but they hadn't ever dealt with it. So it was this unprocessed energy in their field. And I was so curious about it. I actually even wrote a paper that was published about this phenomenon, and it just kept happening that sort of alerted me to these imprints. And then the more I got into doing shamanic work, which there's a before you do a soul retrieval to bring the soul back in, you have to remove any unwanted energies. It's a physics thing, you know. You, yeah. Extraction is somewhat taught as you're removing some block or something from the field. But I kept encountering like, oh, there's this stream of anxiety through the field and it goes back through the generations. Or at birth, uh, the child started absorbing depression from the depressive family or trauma, you know, all these things started being absorbed. And at first I was just kind of removing them, but then came to realize that these imprints are so powerful that they shape how we view reality. And we think everyone experiences reality the same way we do, but they don't. So if you come from a family that's very fearful about all these things, you adopt those fears and you become afraid of all these things when there's really nothing to be afraid of. And then I started seeing the same pattern come with sort of what we call karmic imprints, which is really our previous lifetimes. And all of the, we have a dream body, and within our dream body are all the memories of every lifetime and everything that happened, but these memories are at the very outer edge. We can have events in this lifetime trigger previous lifetime memories you can go to a particular country and all of a sudden be flooded with some awareness or memory and you have no idea where it's coming from I mean that happened to me when I first went to uh, Malaysian Borneo it was like I felt like I'd come home in some way and yet I'd never been there before and you know it was this weird awareness whereas there's some places in the world you never want to go to you know because you probably had a really bad lifetime there <laughs> you know, so it's fascinating the way that works, but these imprints can come through. And I have this belief that in each lifetime, we come in with something to heal from another lifetime and something to manifest. And often the conditions are set up in our lifetime of what we're to heal, but they're energies that we carry from that lifetime. And sometimes part of one's soul, if you have a really horrendous death, ends up staying behind in this other lifetime. I found that's happened with women who had horrific deaths in childbirth, or I've worked with people who've been in the Holocaust, you know, and it was such a soul-deafening experience that a lot of them stayed behind. And so you can actually go back into these lifetimes and do healings and 
then bring these energies forward. And so when I was getting, so it was first the ancestral, then I moved into the karmic, and then I realized how much our cultural imprints impact us. I mean, I first learned that, obviously, when I was there in the Peace Corps, that I got that rituals and customs of a society are totally random, but they're the fabric that holds the culture together, Yeah, and that everyone believes their imprint to be the their cultural imprint to be the truth and the only truth and that's why we end up having so many wars rather than just understanding that these are just different cultural ways of perceiving reality and we don't have to fight with each other about them how does your background as a clinical psychologist inform your works as a shamanic practitioner and vice versa i think in many ways the the easy answer is how shamanism impacts my understanding as a clinical psychologist because we have this block of knowledge but we leave out the whole energetic aspect of our being so an understanding of all of these of the theories of psychology can be enhanced by psychological understanding my first book dealt with that it was healing of the soul shamanism and psyche where i wove those together so the energetic dimension helps me realize like when someone is talking about an issue or a problem or something that happened to them they have beliefs around that that are somewhat holding the energy in place so in say traditional therapy there's cognitive behavioral therapy where you work on people's beliefs but if you don't change the energy that holds the beliefs, the beliefs will stay there. They're kind of glued on <laughs> in a way. Object relations theory, which I think was sort of started in England, where we take in aspects of another person, kind of gets that there's this exchange of energy between people, but doesn't quite understand it enough to get that there's this whole way that we actually literally take in other people's energies and we send our energies to other people. So it's a way of broadening the understanding of psychology to include the energetic dimension. And as far as how psychology impacts my work as a shaman, now that's a little bit debatable. I know when I first began, some very seasoned shamanic practitioners said, oh, all that psychological thought's going to muck up what you do and would be better not to have all of that and to just listen totally to your guides and not bring any of the psychological understanding in. But I find that when someone first walks into my office, I can have a sense of who they are from that clinical perspective. And particularly um, when someone thinks they might be possessed, which happens a lot. A lot of people who are psychotic actually have a spirit possession um, that can be removed and they can be returned to wholeness. But some conditions like schizophrenia are more of a biologically based disorder or bipolar disorder. And to be able to make that assessment as to whether there is possession or whether there's more of a biological uh, condition, which also could be caused by trauma or some um, possession because traumatic energy alters our physiology. I mean, to the extent one psychiatrist I work with had a, a client that had different personalities and one of them had Crohn's disease and the rest didn't. 
Crohn's disease is a pretty powerful illness, you know, and to have, you know, the body be that different. So there's a huge way that that um, energy impacts our physiology. That's one aspect of being able to do that. There's also the developmental aspect. You know, when you become a psychologist, you learn developmental theory and what happens at what age and how they repeat in adolescence. And so if someone has a you know, when I do the energy work and I check their chakras, if there's a leak or a really major issue at one of the chakras, then I'll link it up with the developmental age. I'll start asking questions about, do you remember what happened when you were four? Or, you know, whatever yeah. age that is illuminated in the energy work. And it sort of helps weaving those together and to sort of know the developmental stages really well. I mean, it's not something anyone can't learn, but I think it really helps in putting together what's going on, as well as assessing what a client can hear. If I assess that someone is fairly vulnerable, maybe couldn't handle a lot of of what I might have seen in my journeys and what I was bringing back. So say if I see someone being sexually abused at age five uh, and they haven't told me they were I'll just say you were hurt at that age because I don't want to put an idea in their head and then they might say oh I've been wondering about that because I had all these images and then it starts to flush out whereas a lot of practitioners that don't have shamanic practitioners don't they'll just say and you were raped at five and I mean I've had people come and say Someone told me I was raped at five and I don't remember anything about it and I don't know by whom and they're all upset and it would have been better not to be that direct. <laughs> so that's, you know, it's to have that level of assessment. So that's the long answer to your question. That's superb. Something that's really piqued my interest is I've had my own spirit uh, release. It was believed I, you know, from the nature of what I do, from my writing as a, a paranormal investigator right. and, and researcher, I picked up my own spirit attachment and I had a process performed, which oddly enough did help, whether it was a psychoschematic kind of thing or if it was an actual uh, spirit. Where would you say, where do you think these attachments come from? Are they psychological or are they an actual entity? Both. <laughs> and that's what my next book's about. <laughs> Brilliant. <laughs> yes. Um, <laughs> like in Buddhism, they talk about demons, that they're all these demons and they're protectors for all the demons. Well, the demons are like anger, hate, fear, jealousy, envy, greed. And these kind of energies can become almost like a demonic energy, you know, and say if... And this is, again, going through the ancestral lineage. If you had a father that was really abusive and beat all the kids and beat his wife, and the kids grow up to either partner with someone who will beat them or they become the beater because the energy stream is so strong. Well, that can almost show, and there can be all this rage attached to it, and someone can be shouting out all sorts of bizarre things that make them seem possessed when it's actually this energy stream of violence that has gone from one generation to the other. But then there are also dark spirits which form, I, I met one in a cave in Borneo in the Nia cave where I was where the earliest remains of man were found at least 
in the late 60s. There's probably been others since then. And in the cave, they had this rare bird that makes bird's nest soup, which is a real delicacy in Chinese culture. And so they had these little rickety ladders. You know, they were like bamboo. They weren't ladders, really, but, you know, just long bamboo pieces. And they would climb up to get the bird's nest. Well, a lot of people died. And doing that, and what I discovered when I walked into the cave, and there was a sign outside that by the government that said, beware of the cave spirits, please go in peace. And then there were all these dead chickens hanging there as offerings to the cave spirits. So I'm going, hmm, you know, is this real or not? And I walk in, and I, I mean, I'm with a group, you know, and we have a guide. I think I'm the only woman, and there were six men, which is interesting because I have six protectors <laughs> that are male. And I walk in and this large dark thing comes at me and we're having this huge kind of battle while you're walking in this dark cave where you could slip any moment <laughs> and become dinner for this hungry ghost spirit. And so eventually I was able to, my guides sort of conquer the spirit at least in the short term, <laughs> it followed me back to the U.S., but I eventually <laughs> followed it. I mean, aspects of it did. And, you know, out of it came all these souls. And it was like, and then, and then I've learned from working with cult survivors where they have real human sacrifice that the process is about taking someone's soul and becoming more and more powerful yourself. That's the belief. So they form these entities that are quite dangerous they're rarer than we might think, but they actually do exist and are formidable opponents. But my teacher always told me that the light is always more powerful than the dark. You always look for the kernel of light in even the darkest sort of entities to help change their vibration. When you're doing this work, you cannot be afraid because fear is a dark energy and you'll be destroyed if you allow the fear to take you over. So you have to stay in the light and stay believing in your guides that you can do the work and you can actually transform these entities. I try and be very compassionate with them and try and find the light within them as opposed to like having these battles that, you know, you're fighting them to the death kind of thing. (laughs) We will be right back after these important messages. You are listening to the O People podcast. O books aim to enlighten and inspire our readers. So change your life today and visit www.o-books.com for more spirituality, personal development, MBS and self-help titles. It's never too late to make positive changes to your life. So visit www.o-books.com today and explore a world of personal growth and positive teachings. What if the after effects of a near-death experience were undeniable? What if a person could suddenly produce high-quality paintings of the afterlife, or if they acquired the ability to compose classical symphonies? Read Shine On, the remarkable story of how I fell under a speeding train, journeyed to the afterlife, and the astonishing proof I brought back with me. Read Shine On today on e-readers, and wherever books are sold, visit www.o-books.com today. Does Genesis teach that the human race was created by God? 
or engineered by ETs. Read Escaping from Eden today from wherever books are sold. Become the alchemist of your world. In The Secret of the Alchemist, Colm Holland reveals how you can discover the power to miraculously change the world around you beyond all recognition and for the better. Colm will tell you the story of his encounter with Paolo Coelho and his best-selling book, The Alchemist, and how discovering the secret gave him the insights to achieve true empowerment in his life and how you can too. Read The Secret of the Alchemist today. Available from wherever books are sold. Visit www.o-books.com to learn how you too can become the alchemist of your life. How does one work with unwanted or damaging imprints on their own? There are a couple of ways. One is through, first of all, understanding that they're there. That's the first step. Because we just kind of think we are who we are. And we don't realize that we might be carrying someone's fear that's not our fear or anger that's not our anger. You know, if someone rages at us, that anger comes into our field. And if and if we get triggered, we can rage right back from that place. I mean, I had someone tell me once that I didn't even know I was angry until I heard this disembodied voice screaming. And it was actually his own Ooh. because... Because it's like sitting there in the field, and so when it gets triggered, it just gets ping, and you have this explosion. So the first part is to recognize that you're carrying one. And then I recommend to people you can do this in meditation or just walking, but you want to hold the the idea of the imprint you might be having, like, why do I have all this anger, and I, it doesn't even feel like mine. And then you just ask without thinking but just ask for images to arrive that shows you the first time that you felt this way or that this happened it's it's somewhat like and again in western cultures we treat symptoms but we don't often go to the root cause and i don't know if you're a gardener but i am and sometimes you get lazy and you just want to pull the weeds up without going in and digging out the roots and two weeks later they're back And it's somewhat the same way that unless we go to the origin of an imprint, we'll top off the the outer thing, like say your boyfriend or girlfriend triggers you in some way and so it's all about them when it's actually going back to a deeper issue from your childhood. So it's like identifying that, realize, and then from that you can sort of release it. We can release any energies as long as we know what they are and get that we don't have to carry them anymore. And a lot of people may have, say, your uh, parentified child, you know, that sort of took care of everyone in the family. And they often carry, say, if the mother's depressed and they're taking over her jobs, you think this is how you are and who you are and who you're supposed to be without realizing that you lost your childhood in many ways. You lost your creativity and spontaneity that comes from just being a normal kid. So you think this is who you are, but it's not who you are. It's how you were trained to be. So once you get that, you can start identifying what these imprints are. And I think through meditation or through journaling, through all sorts of things like 
my Tibetan teacher, Tenzin Wangul Rinpoche, always talks about our famous people. They're not like famous people like movie stars. They're the people that are in our head all the time going, nah, 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 and we're fighting with them in our heads. And so if you have something like that that's going on that you can't get why you're so upset about this relatively minor thing, you just ask yourself to take you back to what it's really about. And then you'll understand more what it's about. I am so blessed, Anne, because a lot of what you're discussing People who know me, whether it's from this podcast or my other podcast, I'm very open. You know, I'm uh-huh. very honest. I'm very truthful. I wear my heart, my sleeve. Everything you're discussing relates very personally to me. Mm. And I'm so blessed at the age of 44 that I've discovered your book, The Energetic Dimension. Mm-hmm. And today we're having this conversation because what you were saying, I relate to on such a profound level. And I think a lot of other people are listening Oh, like, oh, my Lord, Anne has just described my life as a child Mm -hmm. and describing how I feel now. And I think that is the gift. That is the real benefit, the energetic dimension. It is exactly what you says. It will give us the ability to understand why we are the way we are rather than just accepting it and saying, well, it's someone else's fault. I didn't get a childhood. I had to work hard. I was bullied. I was this. I was dyslexic. If you are listening and you haven't read the energetic dimension, go and read it now. It will change your life. It is absolutely superb. You write a lot about the importance of compassion for self and other. Can you elaborate on this? Right. We can only fully heal when we're compassionate to ourselves. And then that allows us to be compassionate to others. It's hard to be compassionate for other people if we're not with ourselves. Because if you, because we have these energies in our field, So if we're constantly beating up on ourselves, why did I do that? Why did I do that? Why did I say that? Oh my God, you know, we go on and on. Then we're enhancing the negative stream of thought and energy in our bodies and in our systems. In all my years of working with people, the only ones that have truly been able to heal is when they've developed a level of compassion. It's also a great teaching I got from spending several years living in the East that people there are much more accepting of each other's foibles. You know, this is just who they are. You know, they don't get all bent out of shape. And and they have an awareness that we all carry some shadow energies. But our goal is to grow and become the best human that we can be. And it's hard to do that if you're beating up on yourself because you're just reinforcing the negative energies and it'll never you'll never get better. It's not to say, oh, what I did didn't matter. It was like, okay, why did I do that? How do I learn from it? And how do I make my life better as a result of having learned from it? Because life's a series of lessons. Yeah. You know, I'll work with people that in their early 30s and they think they should be perfect by now. And I say, well, life would be very dull if you were perfect at the age of 30. What would you do the rest of the time? <laughs> How does one protect themselves from unwanted energies entering one's energy field? Well, there are different ways of doing that, and every culture has slightly different rituals about that. But a key one in shamanism is power animals and spirit guides. And as fanciful as that sounds, that there are these energies around us, they they actually are there. I know my teacher gave me he gave me a series of 
transmissions. And one was to have six protectors in the six directions, including above and below. And at first I didn't take it seriously. And I would start working with people and then I'd end up getting sick because I was taking in all this stuff. And so then I started paying much more attention to the notion of having guides to protect my fields, not only my energy field, but also to identify where I'm energetically most vulnerable. And when I teach, before I teach my students anything, I make them find the six guides and also their vulnerability. So if you come from an anxious family, you're going to be more vulnerable when you're working with someone that's anxious or that has a trauma similar to your trauma. Those are just energetic pathways. They kind of sync up, you know, with each other. So you're more likely to take in their pain. So it's helpful to know like, okay, there's an issue I have. Therefore, I have to make sure that protect it. And just to give you an example of, it's a, it's a minor one, but having sort of seen this happen, one day I was driving to my office and there was a detour. It was in the city, so I'm not sh- clear of all the little pathways. I all of a sudden entered into a rotary, or I think in your country they call roundabouts. Yeah, roundabouts, yes. Roundabouts. And I was just in Scotland and going roundabouts the wrong direction is quite scary. <laughs> but anyway, <laughs> I didn't realize because it was sort of a straight line kind of one. And I front of my car was out maybe three or four feet. Well, this young guy goes back by and he's like giving me the finger and I could see him shouting, you know, all these nasty things at me and usually and honking. And usually when that happens, you kind of go like this and you feel the impact coming in. I saw that it all came to the hood of my car and then it just dissolved because my guides were protecting me. I didn't feel any of it. Whereas before, if I'd done that and someone was screaming and yelling at me and I would have felt it on an energetic basis, but I didn't feel it. So it's just on that level of protection. Another way which is extremely helpful um, on all levels is to there's an unlimited supply of divine healing energy in the world and you can just bring in energy through your crown chakra down out your heart chakra and it fills up your whole energetic body and it protects you because when you're one with the divine you're fully protected but you also give light and love to other people so as a healer that's the best way to do it is to channel in this light and send it out to other people but you know anyone can do it in any situation you know you can get in a fight with someone in the grocery store line i mean you know little weird yeah. things can happen but if you just send healing light and love to the person it dissipates it and you don't take in any of the negative energies so when someone's confronting you or you're feeling that difficult situation you're feeling that there's a lot of tension you channel positive energy do you visualize that energy going to the person or would you just imagine it how how would you do that what people perceive these energy flows differently so some imagine it's sometimes you feel it you can feel it going in and out as well you know because you feel your field fill up with all this light i mean when people meditate they can reach very high states of consciousness And similar to that, because you're channeling in this divine light, you're letting your being being one with all that is. And then this light flows out of you because you're in that stream of oneness. And it really does protect your field. That's 
well, I don't know if you've ever gone on a meditation retreat, but everybody's so nice and friendly and warm because you're all in this kind of field, which is very different from a different kind of conference where, you know, there might be more underlying aggression taking place. So it's interesting. And you can also change your energetic vibration to um, pull your field in or expand it. In America, our subways are very, very packed, you know, so you're sort of like this, and you can kind of feel everyone pulling their field in. Well, you can pull your field in, say you want to go to the market and you only have a few minutes and you don't want to, if you run into someone, you'll be late for your next appointment. You can pull your field in so people can't even see you. I mean, they'll see someone go by, but they won't recognize you. Or if you're giving a talk, you can expand your field to be really big. So it's learning how to work with energies in that way to when it's important to make yourself little or to make yourself big or to make yourself strong or sweet or whatever. You can work with your energies to shift that around a little bit. Could you imagine if the world embraced this knowledge, this wisdom, this technique? Can you imagine what an incredible world it would be? Oh, it would be wonderful. And we're at this important shift in consciousness. I don't know if people are aware, but we're in an astrological and sort of cosmic transformation to become much more heart-centered. And right now things look so horrible throughout the world because the dark underbelly of how things function are being exposed daily. And we have an opportunity to kind of shift into that consciousness that it's very easy to get pulled down into the darkness of the energies that as all the shift goes on. I mean, I experienced it dramatically this summer. I went to Scotland for three weeks and was mainly visiting the outer islands where it's, you know, the energy is just really beautiful and full and environmentally you're much more advanced than the U.S. And I came home and it was just like, oh, I could feel the heaviness of the energies in this culture, the discord, um, the uncertainty, and it was striking, you know, you know, short plane ride across the pond helps you, you know, like, wow, this is so different. So we're carrying these energies that we don't have to carry anymore. And that was in many ways the the purpose of my book was to try and help people see we're carrying all this pain and suffering that may not even be our own. And then in many ways, unconsciously, we're reenacting them just in very minor ways. It's not who we really are. I mean, I even go so far to think it's not in our nature to go to war, to kill each other. But it's part of the cultural, karmic, and ancestral imprint because yeah. war's been going on for ever and once we realize that maybe it's not our basic nature to kill each other over property lines or you know I, I fear what will happen when water starts to become more valuable and that people will fight over water rights in the days to come but we don't have to do that I hope so and I hope we develop the capability to just slow down wise up as my old boss used to say to me just wise up take your time right. think there's ever solutions there's other options out there mm. and you know your book your work is a huge part of that process there's other people out there spreading the same message we need this now more than ever there's more and more of us mm-hmm. needing more with less right. to go around we need this now 
you've done a lot of important work. You've got some great books out there, including The Energetic Dimension, which is available through www.o-books.com. You can get it wherever books are sold. You can get it from Amazon, on Kindle, Barnes & Noble, Waterstones. Pop into your local bookshop and ask for The Energetic Dimension. It will change your life. How can I get in touch with you? Let them know. How can they do this? Okay. Well, I have a website, www.andrakesoulwork.com. And my email address is andrake1 at gmail.com. So just to confirm us, www.andrakesoulwork.com. And A-N-N, Drake, D-R-A-K-E, Soulwork, S-O-U-L-W-O-R-K. So it's www.andrakesoulwork.com. Head to the website. It is fascinating. Lots of great stuff. More information on Anne's work, on the energetic dimension. Thank you so much for your precious time tonight. One thing I would like to do, I'd like you to leave our listeners with a final thought. I'd like to help you understand that who you really are is often buried underneath layers of other people's energies and thoughts from your cultural beliefs. Like, say if you were born into a family that felt white people were better than people of color, that may not be what's in your heart, but that's what you were taught. Listen to your heart. I remember once I was out, I was in my 20s, I was gardening, and I became aware that there were two voices in my head. One of all the things I was told were how things run, and what I believed in my heart and soul was the truth. So it's important to really go inside and listen to what's in your heart, and to know that a lot of the energies you carry may not be your own. This anxiety you might fear in certain situations, think, take a moment to think, oh, my dad was anxious just like that. Maybe that's his energy, not mine. Oh, why do I get so angry about little things? Oh, my mom got angry about little things. That's her energy. It's not mine. And let more and more of your own light shine forward and be kind and gentle to yourself. And every time you have a negative self thought like, oh, you're stupid or you're ugly or can't do anything right, say, where did that voice come from? Whose voice is that that I'm listening to all the time in my head? Because when you're a little kid and you get screamed at, you go like you jump and party pops out and that you stupid little brat comes in. And so whenever you make a silly mistake, you hear stupid little brat. And that doesn't have to be there. So be kind to yourself and listen to your heart and listen to those negative beliefs and ask yourself, where do they come from? And why do I still listen to them? And what do I get out of listening to them? That is incredible advice, something we can all take on board. Now, everyone, this is Andrake, the author of The Energetic Dimension. Please Check out our website, www.andrakesoulworks.com. Check out the book, Energetic Dimension. And you are an incredible and marvelous, magnificent woman. This has been one of my favorite interviews of all time, and I've done a lot. Thank oh, you yeah. for the wisdom, for the knowledge you've given us all to give us the opportunity to make our lives better. Thank you so much. Okay, thank you. It was fun talking to you. 